0: I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am a person who likes to talk. I am a person who likes to talk a lot. Some of you know this about me already. Others will learn it over time, much like Ruby Graham, my second grade teacher once did. Mrs. Graham, a Baptist minister's wife from Hot Coffee, Mississippi. Yes, that's an actual place. Mrs. Graham, a Baptist minister's wife, was infamous for being a stern disciplinarian. She liked a quiet classroom. And in over 40 years of teaching, she had developed some pretty reliable methods for maintaining one. Mrs. Graham worked diligently to keep her students quiet, even when we were on our way to recess and lunch. As we paraded through the hallways of W.I. Thames Elementary School, as we paraded through the hallways, she would march alongside us saying, shh, shh, sh, shh, sh, shh, 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 right in time with our steps. I kid you not, as if we were some sort of strange drill team that had taken a vow of silence. Unfortunately, I had a propensity for breaking rank with my near constant chattering resulting in numerous phone calls to my parents and no telling how many hours spent sitting in the corner. One day in the middle of a phonics lesson, Mrs. Graham finally reached the limits of her patience with me. Julia Boyd, she shrieked, her eyes blazing and finger wagging. Julia Boyd, you talk so much that if girls were allowed to become preachers, I'll bet you could be one. And so here we are. Here we are. I'll admit, I'll admit, preachers are a talkative bunch though we're not the only ones. Historically, Christians as a whole have been pretty loquacious and perhaps with good reason. In this morning's gospel lesson, Jesus seems to suggest, after all, that talking is a key component of discipleship. As you go around, he instructs his first followers, as you go around, Proclaim the good news. Tell the people that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Tell. Talk. Proclaim. This might not seem like such an appealing proposition to us these days in a society like ours where if statistics are to be believed, the majority of people are becoming less and less receptive to the preaching of the gospel with every day that passes. And who can blame them? Too many of the words Christians have spoken through the years have been hateful hurtful ones. Others of them have simply been irrelevant and unnecessary. Still more, still more of the words Christians have spoken have had the devastating effect of causing a kind of social and ethical paralysis, of suggesting that the main thing that matters about being a Christian is being able to say the right thing, of being able to spout off the correct set of beliefs. No wonder, no wonder that the criticism perhaps hurled most often at Christianity through the centuries has been that our faith is made up of too much talk and too little action. I read an NPR story the other day about the Juneteenth holiday our nation will be observing tomorrow. This story sought to correct several commonly held myths about Juneteenth. One of these myths I discovered is that while Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863, it somehow took two and a half years for the news of this to reach slaves in Texas. Okay, this is the myth, right? This is is not true. The reality, the reality this article shared is that many enslaved people in Texas did know fairly quickly about what President Lincoln had done. The news of the Emancipation Proclamation actually seems to have spread like wildfire, and particularly among slave populations in Texas. Many slaves actually knew of the proclamation before the slave owners did. The problem the problem was that even though the slaves heard their liberation being talked about. In the words of one Civil War historian, there was no one making it happen. The slaves heard their liberation being talked about, but there was no one making it happen. There was no one enforcing it. There was no one bringing it to fruition. People heard about what had taken place, but they did not see any signs of transformation. And so the news of the Emancipation Proclamation was for the slaves in Galveston, Texas, just empty talk. It was empty talk until the arrival of 2,000 Union soldiers on the 19th of June, 1865, breathed life into the words and made them real. You are free. As Bishop Curry would say, stay with me on this. This is the thing about proclamation. This is the thing about proclamation, the sort of proclamation Jesus is asking his followers to make in this morning's gospel reading. True proclamation, biblical proclamation is not just about reporting the news of the day in a disembodied, disinterested sort of way. True biblical proclamation is not just about giving lip service to a message. It's about living that message with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. It's about making that message incarnate so that the word truly does Become flesh and dwells among us. This is what makes Jesus' own speech, his own proclamation, so incredibly powerful. His words are transformative. Jesus' words bring courage and hope where before there has only been fear and despair. Jesus' words, as the Apostle Paul puts it, Call into existence the things that do not exist. Jesus' words call into existence the things that do not exist. Jesus speaks, and improbable, crazy, life giving stuff happens. A beloved friend has been dead long enough so that his body has begun to stink. People are weeping and wailing and beating their breasts, all while a great murmur goes up. If only Jesus had been here. If only Jesus had been here, this would never have happened. But then Jesus is there. Then Jesus is there and when he calls out, Lazarus, come out. The dead man comes out. He says, unbind him and let him go. and A person who only moments before was about to go 10 feet under, walks away free. This sort of thing happens over and over and over again. Throughout the Gospels, whenever Jesus opens his mouth, little girl, get up. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who weep. Do not be afraid. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Friends, these words of Jesus are not just empty talk. They are not empty talk at all. They are words that liberate and heal, words that, as a beloved prayer puts it, let the whole world see and know that things which were being cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things, all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made. This morning's gospel reading that we heard just a while ago. This morning's gospel reading challenges us as Jesus' modern-day followers to join him in issuing this kind of transformational talk. This morning's gospel reading challenges us to, as an old Quaker adage puts it, let our lives speak, to let our lives speak, to allow ourselves through God's grace to become that healing, liberating word for another human being, maybe even for an entire community of people. This morning's gospel lesson challenges us to allow ourselves to become that word along with Jesus, to become that word that sets captives free, brings good news to the poor, and gives the blind their sight. What might it look like, I wonder, for us here today, if we committed ourselves to doing just this? If we committed ourselves not just to speaking the word, but to allowing ourselves to get swept up in that word, that living word, that word that brings into existence the things that don't exist. What might this look like, I wonder? I don't know exactly, but I do know this. 25,000 hotel rooms here in Metro Atlanta. 25,000 hotel rooms in our own city are currently being lived in long-term by our neighbors who are unhoused. Most of these hotel rooms have only a microwave and a miniature fridge. For cooking and for food prep. In America, around 9 million children live with food insecurity each year. And around 45 million children around the world suffer from severe, severe malnutrition. Meanwhile, the kind of spiritual poverty that continues to take the lives of God's beloved children every day through addiction and mental health crises. Meanwhile, this kind of spiritual poverty has reached a new threat level in the loneliness epidemic, which the Surgeon General of the United States recently declared a public health crisis. Friends, I believe that the good news of Jesus has something to say in response to all of this. And it's not the word of judgment. What it has to say is not the word of judgment so often spoken to the poor and the hurting by our society. It's not a word of judgment. Rather, it's a word of love. It's not a word on a page. Rather, it's the word made flesh, a word living among us, full of grace and truth and hope and mercy and redemption and release. It's not a word that puts people to sleep in the middle of a sermon that's already gone on way too long. No, it's a word that animates. It's a word that animates, a word that gives life to the dead, literally. So that when we Christians say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed, Hallelujah. So that when we say these words, "Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed, Hallelujah. These words leave the building with us when we go forth and they find a home in some of the darkest, most desperate corners of our world, where all appearances to the contrary, people still long to hear them. Amen.